This podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we record, the Rwandri Woiwurrung people. We also acknowledge the neighbouring Kulin Nation groups, the Bunwurrung and Bunurong people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. We also extend that respect to any other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities who may be listening today. Everyone, welcome back to another fabulous episode of Glitter and Gold, the Original Steps podcast. We are the first podcast dedicated to discussing and dissecting the legacy of Steps, the UK's biggest mixed gender pop group of all time. I am your host Shane. I never trust a stranger unless it's two AM in the morning, and he's just <laughs> come from a place where nobody dared to go. We have Brad here with us as well. <laughs> you cheeky um, mix. And I know, I know, and. Scott is not joining us for this little intro part because he's very busy, um, so no more tears are cried for him, please. Thank you. Hello, Bradley. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Nice to see you again. It's been a couple of weeks. It has been a few weeks. It has been. We both were in Sydney together, though. I think you were up there for, was it South by Southwest or whatever? Yeah, so I was there for South by Southwest and you were just there for a fun little vacation, I think. I did. I went up to see my friends. Um, I worked remotely for a couple of days and I was basically really A, to see my friends and just doing a status run on Virgin so I can keep my gold status. <laughs> That's the things we do for points. I know, I know, I know. We're kind of all over the place at the moment, aren't we? Like you and I have both been travelling, Scott student in Bali tomorrow. Like we are, it is, it is, we're kind of like steps when they went to Thailand and Australia. We can never get all three of us in the, <laughs> the same room at the same time at the moment. We left them in Bali. We left them in Sydney. We left them in, <laughs> and next week for me it'd be in Brisbane. Brisbane, so we left him in Brisbane, so there you go. Let's do a little bit of news before we dive into what this episode's about. I'll let you go. You do the news. Thank you very much. Oh, I was going to call you Steve. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Look, not much is happening in the world of Steps at the moment as the year comes to an end. Faye is finishing up her stint on 42nd Street. Lisa finally released the Unleashed Deluxe Edition of Never or Now. And we also got HD videos for Too Far Gone and Electric. I was so happy to see Electric and HD for the first time. God, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it was nice to have all three of them. Uh, H, Lee and Faye are all, of course, doing Panto. And from what I can tell, Claire is having a nice little break with her family in the Maldives. Yes, she is. Yes, she's having a nice little break. She just recently celebrated 200,000 followers on Instagram, I think it was. Speaking of Claire, Shane, do you want to tell us a little bit about what this episode's about? It's very exciting. This episode is... An interview with the one and only Steve Anderson. Steve is a massive fan of the pod and has messaged us a few times and we were very lucky to talk to him uh, about a month or so ago, Scott and I. We chat to Steve about Euphoria and the creative process that he went through with Claire and how they came about with all the songs that they chose and also just talked about how they're friends a bit and we also touched on a few other steps questions there uh, and so forth and... Oh, look, it was so fun to talk to him. Scott and I were like pinching ourselves at the end of it, just going, wow, did that actually happen? So without further ado, let's throw to the interview. He has been responsible for some of the greatest pop songs of all time, including some of my personal favourites from the likes of Kylie, Britney, Atomic Kitten, Girls Aloud, and of course Steps and Claire. 
I think we can all agree that this man truly is one of, or in our opinion, the best MD in living pop history, having been the mastermind behind all of the Steps tours across the past seven years and is responsible for all those glorious Steps 25 revisited mixes. We truly could intro this man for hours because he's achieved so much and we are honestly so excited to have him on the pod to talk all things Euphoria. Please welcome Mr. Steve Anderson. Well, thank you very much. That was a very nice intro. Thank you. That was incredibly kind uh, and lovely. What a lovely way to start my morning slash your evening. Well, it's all true. Oh, well, thank you. I, I very much appreciate it. I'm uh, incredibly lucky to do this job. And I mean, certainly, you know, certainly from Steps point of view, very, very proud to have uh, worked with them for as long as I have, because first and foremost, as with pretty much everyone I work with, I start off as a fan before I end up doing this job. So that's that's the most that's what drives me. That's my passion is, you know, all of the people I work with, I began as a fan of them. So, you know, I'm kind of the same. And I think that from every fan, I think we can honestly say like the work that you have done over the past seven years with them is I don't think that if if you weren't involved, I wouldn't even want to know what could be if you weren't part of that journey with them for the last sort of six, seven years, because what you have done truly is incredible. The tours that you have like orchestrated, the live shows, producing Claire's albums, like you honestly should, if you haven't already, give yourself a pat on the back because it truly is. We're so humbled and honored that someone like you has, is part of their journey now so it's just it's incredible well thank you i mean again it was like it was it was something i was again a fan initially and obviously worked with them very early on but um no it was it was fantastic and i mean it wasn't uh as kind of a shoe in either it was very much like it was a process that we went through of talking about you know before i kind of came on board um but i just felt that i got what they were wanting to do um, which is, you know, remain remain classic, but be contemporary. But the other thing around Steps is you just have the most incredible team around them, you know, from their management fascination, creative director Frank Strachan, who I've worked with so many times, you know, incredible choreographer Mark Jennings, incredible production teams, you know, it really is, you know, absolutely top, the best of the best that work around Steps. So, you know, I'm a, a, a part of that and, and we're all kind of, we've all got our eye on the prize of making sure we deliver the best possible show for everyone. And we love it. Um, I must say when oh, I'll do a little bit, bit of backstory um, for me, Steve, when you came into my sphere, it was around two. Now I know that you worked with Kylie and all that back in the late nineties and you've been, you know, working with her for ages, but for me personally, you came into my sphere. I'll tell you a little story about you redid Xanadu and Olivia Newton-John performed it at the, um, 2008 30th anniversary Mardi Gras I was there for that performance and I saw that show I had such a great night that I got home and I wanted to relive that so I found that track online and then you know I just had this like moment of like goosebumps but then I just took notice of your name I was like this is Steve Anderson DMC remix okay and I had heard your name before like late 90s early noughties but that's when I just sort of took real notice so when in 2017 I discovered that you were part of, you know, Steps' worlds because that's for me when you came into sort of Steps' world, even though I know that you worked with them earlier than that. 
I was like, ah, oh, okay, here we go. Steve's really going to contemporize and lift steps up to that time and now. And I, as a fan, was fucking so happy. <laughs> so I was, I was very, very excited. So um, you also like, I'm just got a little note here. That's not going to mention it because I think I've messaged you before in the past about it. You also did Nat Bass in 2009 for her super sensual blondie heart of glass mix up, which is a favorite track of Scott and I's. So I just, for me here to chat to you today, I'm very excited. So anyway, fan moment well, that, done. <laughs> no, but thank you for that. And thank you for telling me that story because the Olivia, the Olivia thing is, is, was, was such a, you know, just to talk about that for a second. I mean, it was, I did used to work for a company called DMC and the very, very last remix I did before I left as my farewell present to them was Xanadu. And I never in a million years envisaged a world where Olivia would end up performing that version of Mardi Gras. I mean, you know, I'm Olivia was, you know, she's the girl on my on the poster on my wall when I'm a teenager, you know, I mean, that woman is incredible and much, much missed. So, you know, that 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 song I've always described as my favorite pop song of all time. And just to have the opportunity to to do that and then to see her in that moment and for you to be there to witness that moment as well is is truly truly special so thank you for telling me that story and and bass and bassing amazing bassing is one of the most underrated singers that your country has ever produced oh my god uh, you are taught you are preaching to the choir yeah. yeah you are preaching to the choir we agree with yeah, you. I love, yeah i love i love that i absolutely love that and and gosh you know what a voice yeah, she's she's fantastic. She actually performed on the weekend um, with the Rogue Traders at Big Gay Day. So hopefully they're going to have like, you know how people go away for a bit and then they come back and hopefully they're about to have like a little part two to their story, I reckon. Um, Definitely. Xanadu, like it's on my phone. It's on my phone and I, it gets a heavy rotation still, that version, because when I... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Oh my God, I love it. So I love I'm, it. I'm just showing them my screensaver, wow. which is... <laughs> which is Kira. Carry on. <laughs> that that song gives me, like, I just, not to bang on about it because we've got to talk about other stuff, but after reliving that moment, I just, like, when I got home that day, like, that uh, from that party, I was listening to that song and I heard that, you know, the, the way you extended the intro kick in and it gave me goosebumps, and it still does. And I remember, like, maybe I was just because I went to the party and I was coming down. Who the hell knows? I was like crying the next day after it. It was just a fun time. So I, yeah, we've talked about enough about it, but thank you. We have. <laughs> I will just say that all those little clips on the DMC thing, all the clips from the film, they're all, they're all meaningful. Every single part of them is, has a little meaning and it ends off with her saying, I love you. So, you know, it couldn't be more personal. It's absolutely wonderful. Anyway, we miss you, Olivia. We love we do. We, we really miss you, Olivia. And for, for Steve and I need to fanboy for a moment because for me, you came into my sphere um, and I have to tell you that one of my favorite, not only favorite Kylie songs of all time, but actually one of my favorite songs of all time is Dangerous Game from ah. the Kylie Minogue album. And mm -hmm. that song is, I first heard it, I actually bizarrely first heard it on an episode of Home and Away 
it was used mm. in a in a funeral it scene. It was. It was. Yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. And yeah. It, the way that it was shot, I was a big Home and Away fan back then, and the way that it was shot was beautiful. And that the whole track was played over that scene, and that's when that song came into into my world. And I I pretty much listened to that song weekly, and have done for for what 20, 25, 26 years. I think there's just something about that it's beautiful, but it's anthemic. It's heartbreaking, but it's also uplifting. You, you seem to kind of capture every emotion possible in that song and it's such an underrated kylie song and it's just it's just one of my personal favorite songs of all time so the fact that you wrote it is is incredible thank you um yeah dave and i that i think we've it's quite documented now that when we first started working with kylie we just wanted to show off we wanted to show off in front of her and show that we could do everything <laughs> and that was us trying to show off that we could do a bond thing ah so. Yes, that makes that sense. Would have been amazing. But, but sort of a Bond theme that lives a little bit in Massive Attack World. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, nice. That's what we did, but but thank you for that. I, I adore that mm. song, and you know it was uh, yeah. We're, uh, arguably, it was so over the top for for what that record was, but Deconstruction were so brilliant and supported us and supported Kylie one hundred percent on on the vision, and um, we were very lucky with that. This is really just three fans talking about how much we love pop, isn't it? This this Sorry. episode. Yeah. yeah. Happy, happy to do it. <laughs> um, before we get into some general questions about Euphoria, I just want to touch a little bit more on Steps. I know um, that you co-wrote Stop Me From Loving You with H and Claire in 2001. And you, you've touched on Steps before about, you know, when you came on board sort of in this recent era, how you know, there was meetings and all that sort of stuff and, and you wanted to contemporize them. But that that co-wrote uh, for that song in 2001, was that your first ever meeting with Step? Was that when you were first introduced to them? Or obviously you were first introduced to them as a fan, but professionally, was that your, you know, when you first came into their world or? Yeah, it, it, it absolutely was. I mean, mm. as a fan, I you know, I, I, will, I will absolutely say I was not on board from 5678. I saw <laughs> that for what it was, but um, obviously once I knew Pete was involved and I'm just a huge Stock Aitken and Autumn fan, Mm. Um, I knew Pete was going to de always deliver incredible things. Um, and then obviously from one for sorrow and, uh, you know, that, that had me, um, so, so, and then I was in for the whole thing, um, and just loved everything about it. Um, the stop me from loving you thing was initially it was, uh, Claire and H that came to a studio I was at just to do a day to see if what we could do. And that's the very first time, first time that I met Claire on a very, very hot summer's day, actually, I remember um which was was lovely i think they were exhausted they were always exhausted you know those bands because they worked so so hard mm. um but yeah that's the first time i met them and then the first time i met the whole band was when we went and recorded that song with and got all the vocals so yeah that would have been the first time and it was a very very quick introduction um but from that point on um i mean that ended up being i think a, was it the b-side of oh, chain, chain reaction, reaction was it yeah Okay, I'm asking the experts. I, mean, I never really know. Um, so, uh, so yeah, which was really lovely, and we got to finish it and do it properly. And and I really kind of I've got a lot of time for that song. It's really fun and dramatic and everything. Um, but then you know, we didn't really see each other. Claire and I stayed in touch um, and continually stayed in touch throughout. Um, and and then obviously ended up kind of getting back together again, um, sort of you know to, to to work on her solo stuff years later amazing um just personally as a fan what's what's your favorite step song that you love to like bop to whether it's either one of the old ones or one of the new ones can you can you name a favorite step song 
Yeah, I can. It's really easy. It's heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, you said one to bop to, possibly not one to bop to, but um, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, one one to bop to. Then you know, I think "Heartbreak in the City" is a really cleverly brilliant song and um i think it's a modern classic agreed agreed well let's let's go down the the route of euphoria shall we because um that's your most recent project with claire and um you did work on my wildest dreams as well but i guess well, let's talk about euphoria so when it came to album two cr2 was it a combination of the both of you coming up with the concept um or was the intention for it to always be a covers album or did claire approach you or did you approach her or how did it how did it come to be so to speak so claire and i live quite near to each other and we she has a, a wonderful dog called mabel um and we quite regularly go on dog walks there's a lovely little kind of beautiful wood near us um and we see each other quite a lot and you know generally kick around ideas for you know just general chats and stuff we've stayed incredibly close i mean even back to you know you say about you know the, the first record i mean there was there was a point where you know there was every year on i think january the first we would message each other and it would be a kind of are you ready yet <laughs> I'm not quite ready. are you ready yet no i'm not quite ready um and then eventually she was ready and that's what started the original sessions for what became wildest dreams in the end with with this one we had had a conversation and she's spoken about this i know so we were talking about well, to be fair, it all started with a thing called karaoke that was done in lockdown. Um, whereas the, the the creative community, as soon as lockdown happened, number one, a lot of us thought, well, we're used to spending time in rooms, on you know, studios on our own anyway, or it, we, people, so that was fine. But then everyone just wanted to do something. So there were a few artists that I kind of worked with and said, what do you want to do? Name me a song you've always wanted to sing. That's how karaoke came about. That was really, really fun. Um, and then we about a year ago, I guess, probably more than that, we started playing around with the idea of well, what would that sound like if we made proper versions of some of those songs, um, hindering going more towards the kind of disco end of things, possibly. Um, and then it, as with everything, it, it always the gem of an idea comes from creatives, but actually the creation, the, the, how to make that into a a plausible thing needs amazing management which is where fascination came in and encouraged it um and then there began a conversation about a few things and, and one day on i think the, the one of the walks we were talking about claire loves um claire's a brilliant cook i'm sure you probably know that she's incredible in the kitchen and she's got like makes amazing things and we just had this kind of weird conversation about the recipe of her voice and it'd be like well it's part whitney it's part olivia it's part and also secondarily we had another conversation about the fact that she never had singing lessons but in a way she did because these incredible women taught her how to sing and find her voice you know because she didn't start sounding like that um and then it was like one of those little moments where you just go oh i wonder if that's where to go that's the thread um, and and how and that's the thread of like paying homage to these incredible women who taught you how to sing um starting with with karen carpenter all the way through you know to someone you know more more sort of more modern like loreen and various people like that so yeah that's what it, it started off as and then began a process again we live very close in lockdown um we set up a studio in our house um so we just started this process of trying 
lots of songs like way more i mean you know if anyone ever wants to look at what doing one of these records you need to be prepared to put in the work because to get however many tracks ended up on the album 1314 you know, you need to go through about 100. Wow. Um, and to get wow. to that 100, you need to go through about 2,000. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just to get... Wow. And there would be songs that... And again, I've heard Claire talk about this. There'd be songs where we'd go, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And within 10 seconds, we look at each other and just go, no. Didn't work. It just didn't work. It didn't have the magic. It didn't have the thing. She didn't... It, and there were some that just felt like... And there were some that we thought, oh, that might be okay. And the moment she started singing it, it was oh my god this is incredible like um the kim wilde song never trust a stranger oh, we, th we I thought have that, that as a point be... to talk about <laughs> uh, well we'll get onto it but that's a really good example of one that we thought that's one of peace of lorraine at fascination is what it's probably one of his favorite songs of all time and and i've i adore kim and i've worked with kim and ricky before and um and that when she started singing we were like yep like immediately goosebumps within the first five seconds so if it made her and I feel like that, we knew we could put a tick by the box and anything that didn't just got thrown away. Thrown in the bin. What were the songs that kind of started to like kick off the process? Initially, well, I think I think No More Tears was always gonna be in there because it's her big you know, song. She'd done it on Mask Singer. And I think we just knew, I think with these albums, I mean, it's a weird kind of chemistry that has to go into them and I've done, albums you know of covers with few people you know more recently with like luke evans and marisha wallace and stuff and to find the dna of it is really really hard but you need to just to kick off with a, a few really really strong ones um and i think you know we knew no no more tears we had um i think so emotional was one of the first ones that we really kind of because actually we weren't going to do that Whitney song we were oh. going to do another Whitney song yeah was it going to be um she mentioned that was it love will save the day yeah so I love love will save the day and and we both do and then we realized that it didn't it was an amazing song but it, it kind of didn't have the chorus doesn't soar it kind of stays down which is brilliant and you know anyone asks me about Whitney Houston that's my favorite female singer of all time so I love Whitney Houston but and then she just said, oh, how about So Emotional? And I think that's the thing. In some respects, we didn't want to do, well, again, she's perfectly explained this on another interview that you don't want to do the untouchable. You can't mm. do I Want to Dance with Somebody. Yeah. Mm. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like, so, but if you find that song that is, it's just still really well known, but people have maybe not heard as much. And then the moment that she hit, like, I, like it's got to the bridge of So Emotional we were like, yeah, wow, okay, this is it. And then I, I, and then, you know, when we were routining them, it's very much routining them with just a rough kind of, you don't spend all the time making it and if it's not gonna work. So it's a very rough piano and drums thing. And then I knew in my head somehow that I knew a way of taking that song and contemporizing it, but keeping the elements that made, that give people nostalgia. So, um, so yeah, they were the, probably the first ones to, that we started with. It's really interesting that you mentioned So Emotional because that is one of my personal favorites on the album. Like I, I love a bop. Mm. So anything sort of high energy, I love listening to it when I'm cooking. 
it's good to move around to oh, that's the good. kitchen. I like tell that. Claire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll tell Claire. And oh, um, no, she, she will she will love that fact. Yeah, she yeah. will love that fact. But what so it's interesting. There's something that we always talk about on the podcast with steps. When steps do a cover, Shane likes to say they stepsify it. So if you think about like mm-hmm. chain reaction or tragedy, something in your eyes, mm-hmm. better the devil, mm-hmm. you know their covers, but at the same time, there's something about the magic of their vocals and the production that it they become their own identity and i think it's a testament a to you on this whole album that that's what that gives me but specifically for so emotional because you just said the original so emotional is it's it's not as disco it's a little bit more maybe 80s rock glam or it's just a little harder it is it is exactly that yeah and so how do you kind of go i need to take this song that's like an 80s rock glam track and i'm going to turn it into a disco claire and clarify it how do, how do you actually well, decide on how that's going to sound well i think i mean firstly and again this goes across the whole album i really don't know anyone else any other female singer that, that i know that would be able to do this the vocals on this record and you know do Whitney, Celine, Barbara, you know, I mean, she's, I've, I've gone, I've said this a million times before, but I mean, you know, she really is a world-class singer. I don't really know anyone that can do what she can do. And I, as far, apart from the fact that, you know, she's my friend, she's, she astonishes and amazes me every single day with what she can do. So, so that's helpful. Um, secondly, my process has always been the same and I, it's hard to quite quantify it, but um, I, I always go back to a quote from from Quincy Jones, who said, "You've got to, you have to hear the song in your head, the finished thing, and then figure out how to make it." So the moment she started singing so emotional to a very rough piano vocal, you know, I already had started to hear the record in my head, and by the time we finished, I knew how it should sound, and then you then just go and, and you just go and make it. So it's the and it's the same process of if I'm you know sometimes I, sometimes i'll do really really you know complete reinventions as in throw everything out and start from scratch i've done that a lot um but i think it was so emotional it was it just needed a really nice update and you know and and i think in that like there's sometimes you you know you want to have some of the synths and you want to have that stuff you, you still want it to have that feeling but for people you know it's a for younger people you know Whitney Houston it's a long time ago mm. so you want them to listen to the song and it feel at least modern and contemporary and that it's not an, an an old song so that's that's how we kind of went about it and then just got her to do the most insane vocals so and then decided insane. and then decided to put a gospel choir on it Love because it. more is more right yeah and how come i was listening to the original today there's a bit of a at the beginning of the original whitney does like a bit of a talky bit any any reason yeah. why that wasn't in in the claire version it felt wrong to do that it felt right claire's not wild about doing talky stuff yeah. anyway but i just felt <laughs> um it just felt that was a very whitney thing to do and it just got a bit it just felt a bit cheesy to do it i don't know it just felt a bit karaoke to do that um and we were just trying to pay respect to these incredible singers and songs but put a a, a, you know put the mark on it basically so yeah it isn't yeah yes precisely clarify she will enjoy that as well different from clarify (laughs) clarify 
<laughs> different from clarify and of course in and 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 you know the interesting thing about what you were talking about as food is that you know the sessions that we did were sort of you know dog walk vocal warm-up studio setup lunch yeah chorizo eggy beans apparently how do you know about eggy so beans? so i was that was one of my <laughs> dot points i was going to ask you um i was listening claire was on the good food podcast the other day and i listened to it oh, was last she? week and she talked about your routine of recording the album and she oh, mentioned she specifically okay. the uh chorizo eggy the bean dish chorizo. and i just oh, wanted to ask I mean, you about what that tasted like wow oh my god it was incredible <laughs> it was absolutely incredible we were so lucky and then we would kind of we'd have you know a lovely lunch and then go back and do the second session for vocals and and then you know kind of stop you know it was the beauty it was like one of the most joyous recording processes you know of my life because we i say we just live so close and we just had fun and i think i hope that that comes across on the record that you can tell that she's actually quite relaxed yeah. and just really really enjoying singing and and that's what i wanted i wanted the process to be enjoyable for her because i knew that would be the best way of getting the best out of her that does come across on the record um i was just going to say scott and i are massive abba fans and so we've done summer night city and it was a firm favorite for both of us um just as a side note have you seen abba voyage have you seen if you have you seen it or no i have seen it uh, more than once <laughs> me too um that that merge from lay all your love to me into summer night city is just like next level anyway that's not what i was that's not the question i want to ask but let's but can we just put it out there that i know it's really really hard because obviously this is going all around the world but yeah. if anyone finds themselves in london please go and see Abba voyage because oh. it is genuinely the most magical thing i've yes. ever seen in my entire life yeah like and agree I, I had to go back because the first time I saw it, I spent the first 20 minutes crying. So I needed to figure out what happened. Steve, you and I are cut from the same cloth. I did exactly <laughs> the same are. thing. I spent the first 20 yeah. minutes crying. The fact that they <laughs> open with the song that they open with, I don't want to spoil it for people, but no, no, I no never spoilers. thought I would ever see that song live. And for yeah. me, it just gave me goosebumps. And then I was like a blubbering mess afterwards. So I had to go back and see it when I was in London this time around. Cause I was like, oh, do I remember what happened last time? I need to see it again. So yeah, we're, we're, we're not sidebar to voyage. Cause I, I do it a few times and then, then an hour's gone by, but <laughs> exactly. yes, I was so happy that the transition was there. And that transition is amazing. Oh. And Summer Night City was, is my favorite ABBA song. It's always been my favorite ABBA song. Yeah. Um, and I've always wanted to cover it, but I, I wanted to wait for the, a really special time to do so and and this was it the question i was going to ask was there any other abba songs in mind but i think you've just answered it it's your favorite abba song and you're waiting for wow. the right time i mean we did voulez-vous with steps oh my yeah. god yeah. yes so voulez-vous in general is my favorite abba album so i mean yes I, there's a many many abba songs that i would i, I could possibly get involved with but um, voulez-vous with steps sorry am i when when did this happen am i like was, it missing was, a moment it was for an no, it was for an in for interlude. a tour. It was an interlude video interlude for a summer tour, the summer of one of the summers. That's summer right. It was too. Yes. Sorry. It came before. So, so it was with that. So we recorded it. Yep. And it was done. It was shown on the video for a quick change. Yep. That makes so sense. They never performed it. Yep. So yes, you're so, saying yeah, what you're saying, Steve, is is there a recording of that somewhere? Is there a studio <laughs> version? Yeah, probably. Oh. Probably. <laughs> Please. We'll take that offline. We'll take that offline. <laughs> hey, Scott, maybe you should talk about what you're dying to talk about, and that's No More well, Tears with uh, Delta. Before, we, before, I just want to oh, talk yeah. on – well, I wanted to touch on Summer Night City just a, another moment because um, – and where did that – the Andy Bell duet, 
I obviously I've read that Andy Bell approached you like Claire to do a duet. Was Summer Night City his idea or was it he approached you to do a duet and you had already recorded Summer Night City and that was what you had in mind? So Claire and Andy knew each other already because they'd done a TV show together of, of quite a few years back called Pop, Pop Star to Opera Star. Um, coincidentally, one of like one of my oldest and closest friends is a guy called Ian Masterson, who um, obviously is 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 Danny's MD, also the MD uh, musical producer on Strictly. Um, but he and I worked together a lot, but very rarely on records. And actually, weirdly, one of the last times that we worked together was we did a, a duet with Danny and Kylie on the Winner Takes It All for a show that he was doing called Beautiful People. So he was producing um, some songs for Andy Bell. And it just, we were looking for a male, sort of a potential male singer. So it was all, it all kind of was bubbling around at the same time. It just became quite obvious that that would be a really good choice. They had history, it was in his range. Um, it just kind of felt really organic. And duets are, on albums like these are, are really tricky you don't you can't just go for the first person it has to work for both artists it has to be you know so as far as the song choice is concerned um i think it was kind of a mutual thing um but i i just know remember that they that i say they had a connection and ian and i obviously are so close so um it just and and they were both make like working at the same time so it just made perfect sense to do it and there was a male it's a as de, a definitive male female yes. split on the song as well yeah and i just love again you know you were saying it's your favorite song it's one of shane and i's and it's again it's an underrated amazing so underrated. abba song so it's just mm. good that it's having a little bit you know you're giving it a moment again because it definitely deserves yeah, that yeah it was hard to, I mean, I love the sound of the original. It's so punchy and so, but again, I was super keen on, on any of these records that I make where I'm doing, you know, covers of other things. You know, you never want it to be sort of a karaoke kind of version, you know, there's no, also there's no point. It needs a reinvention. Again, the, the originals, you know, you know, probably 40 years old now. So it has to sound for a new audience, like it's a new record. Um, so, but I wanted to keep obviously there's you know there's cut there's you know sort of the guitars are in there the straight everything's in there but it's all kind of mashed up and glued together with beats and stuff so um but yeah it, it, it was fun so and it was lovely to work with ian again because you know we do so much together um but it's fun when we get together for apparently we only get together for abba duets that seems to be the rule <laughs> <laughs> and also he did the most the trouser enthusiast mix of summer night city oh is God. insane <laughs> it's fantastic i can't even begin to tell you how i played that we were in a rehearsal with claire and her bvs for a show and he sent it to me and i just played it in the room and we just lost it it's but you know the bit when it just goes up to the the build and build and yep. build and then it's her ad lib of summer night city yep. and kicks back in again yep Oh my God. So Trouser Enthusiasts and Brothers in Rhythm were around at the same time. So we were consistently always trying to outdo each other. But <laughs> boy, that, and you know, my my favorite thing he ever did um, around that, well, in his first thing was was the remix he did of Disremembrance. Mm -hmm. Oh, Danny, I, which I think yep. It's, yep. It's, so it's incredible. But this, this challenges that for his best ever work. So 
gosh i'm with you i'm phew, what a remix right i would absolutely agree with you on that and can i just say on brothers in rhythm such a good feeling i listen to that that's on my gym playlist it's a great song for oh. the gym <laughs> oh that's good to know um steve i think we need to talk for the next five hours now just about the delta and claire duet because <laughs> uh-huh. i i mean for obviously shane and we're australian delta to me she is my favorite female singer of all time i adore her mm-hmm. i've been to every single concert she's ever been to. shane and i went twice to see her last week in melbourne i'm so by the way just i'm just gonna just be jealous for yeah. a minute i'm just gonna say you got to see innocent eyes we i did. spoke to her about I spoke to her about it when she was here. It sounds amazing. All the clips I've seen look amazing. It was, it was you amazing. Know, so yeah, I'm sure it was incredible and I'm incredibly jealous of you both. To, to see, I mean, I definitely, it's something more artists need to do to, to play an album from beginning to end. And to, I think pretty much in every song was in its original form. She didn't, you know how obviously over the years things change, as you know, you mix it up. Mm. She really went back to basics for pretty much all of it. And it was just incredible for an album that, you know, here in Australia, one in, I think it's like one in 15 people own it. It's I thought it was one wow. in seven, wasn't it? One in seven or something. Mm. So, you know, oh, it's wow. it's a, an incredible, you know, it's a history making album here to to be able to kind of see the performer do that from start to finish. More artists need to do things like that, I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, so yes, Delta, when this was announced, I, I think I squealed or I screamed <laughs> or I dropped my coffee. I was so excited because obviously we've had a Delta crossover with Steps before because Steps recorded Dancing with Broken Heart in 2017. But I'm just interested to know from start to finish, how did this duet come about? So it was just a, a, a small tiny bit of history for, for, for people. I, Delta and I first worked together in I think around 2014 when I worked with her on a Mardi Gras uh, headline performance. And you were the only man that could think predictable and hung up by Madonna would go well oh. together. That mix <laughs> is insane. I remember well, that. Well, it, it was the, the whole thing was a collaboration between the two of us and, and we, you know, it was, it was a great, it was incredible creative process. I love, I adore working with her. She's such an incredible musician, obviously, as you say, one of the best singers in the world. Um, so we had that, so that was how we kind of started working together. And again, I was a fan. I have that album. I have all those albums. I bought, I have every single Delta record. Um, so it was really, really fun to kind of bringing sort of bringing her into that world because she hadn't done as much of that. Um, and then we, we carried on doing bits and pieces over the years from various other things, some other Mardi Gras things, some club stuff, some, you know, we just stayed in, in touch and, you know, I adore her. She's, in, she's, and you know, she's got that sort of angelic quality to her, but, but that voice as well is, oh my God. And the on the honest answer is um, when we were in Claire's kitchen with, Claire and I and and Adam and Peter from Fascination, we brought up No More Tears. And it was like, oh, gosh, who's going to do who's, who's going to do the duet? And and I think it was I think I just said, well, I can ask Delta. And they were like, really? And I was like, well, yeah. And it was like, yeah, but she's not going to say yes. Like, <laughs> she might. And it was just and Claire's such a huge Delta fan. Mm. So she was like, Okay, well, I'm not even going to allow myself to think about it because it's just not going to happen. Um, and pretty much that's how it happened. I asked Delta, and Delta said yes. And then I was able to phone Claire and tell her, which you know, what was her reaction? That was quite a high. 
are quite a high-pitched um, sort of shriek <laughs> and a bit of crying and stop it, stop it. No, really. So she was like super excited. Um, but then it then it was about making that happen because obviously Delta was in Australia um, and it was it was a bit touch and go for a while because just trying to get the deadlines to work and Delta had a few bits and pieces going on. So we cut it very close, but I, I always was saying, you know, I was like, it, it will happen. Don't worry. I like, I trust Delta, like Delta deliver Delta delivers like Delta has been through everything. There is no way this girl does not do this. It, it will happen. She's just magical. And, and, and sure as it was, I think probably the day before the mastering deadline was the day that we got the vocal and I mixed it straight away and sent it to mastering. Did you like up until all hours of the morning, just like got to get this mix done? Uh, not until all hours in the morning. Cause the, the, the joy of the time difference means that it kind of was, she would probably recorded it to all hours in the morning, but the time it got to me, um, and I'd already done everything else and I'd held this special place for her and, um, and, but yeah, I mean, gosh, I mean, the voice is blended so perfectly. Um, the vocal was spectacular, uh, everything I could have dreamed of. Um, I, I'd done it before with her when we did a duet with Kylie and Delta for when you wish upon a star for her Christmas show as well. So I knew that any vocal I was going to get sent was going to be amazing. Um, so yeah, that's how it came about. And then um cut to you know a little bit later when the two girls kind of got to meet each other in the studio in london and, and that, was video, which... that was camp that was camp and fun think? to watch <laughs> yeah but look i was just you know as as fans who you know we know delta from growing up with her and, and you know scott and i've grown up with steps just to see them on camera together and then singing a song yeah. it's just like it what was is such here? a fun day yeah. and there was so much yeah it was so many laughs uh so much mutual respect you know and um yeah it's 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 extraordinary and, and just the way that that the voices blend as well and the respect between the two of them as singers and it's hard you know it's hard to take on such a revered song with the two original performers who are you know barbara Streisand and donna summer you know incredible so it's it's a tough one but i think again they both brought their own thing to it and um yeah, and, and then the other thing with No More Tears, which is really kind of much less interesting, unless you're a music person, musician, is that I, I decided that I wasn't going to do the, I wasn't going to use the original bass line, I wasn't going to use the original string line, all that. I felt like it needed, I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm Donna and Barbara, and my favorite, <laughs> but I just felt like it could be, it could be bigger, which is such a weird thing to say because the string arrangement on the original is, is 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 there's not many strings in the chorus so i thought right i'm just going to rewrite the string arrangement change the bass line and again try and bring it into a more contemporary sounding world so it doesn't sound like every other version of that song uh and thank god that worked out and people liked it so we're really happy with the reaction oh well it, look it's amazing and i love your 12 inch mix of it that just added huh. in that added intro that slow baseline intro in that builds it up i just i love it so much that's actually probably my go-to version that i listen to well i think it's i always i come from you know my my upbringing 
you know, from my early 20s is, is dance music. And I, you know, come from, I think it's important even these days, I think it's important to give DJs something that they can play. And they were never going to play, you know, I love the intro to No More Tears. It's beautiful, but it's going to kill a dance floor dead. Yeah, so, for the first you know. two minutes. <laughs> yeah, precisely. And it's kind of like when I did the, the extended of 100 Degrees, it's the same thing. That intro is beautiful, but from a dance floor, you need a, you need a, a big build mixable intro. So I always... I always, if I get a chance to do those extendeds, I do them because I've always got a kind of, I always have a little bit of my heart belongs to the dance floor and the DJs and making sure they're happy. Just going to touch on that that point, actually. You did that with Tragedy and that's reignited Scott and I's <laughs> and probably Brad's as well, love for that song more. Not that we didn't like it, but the fact that you extend, like that party on the dance floor version and it's now the, and now the Steps 25 version, you've extended that intro out. I don't listen to the standard radio album track version anymore. I only listen to that one because I love that. Like I grew up on dance music as well in my early 20s and my late teens and stuff. And so I love it, a long extended intro. So thank you. Well, tra tragedy was, um, I mean, gosh, to get the first time that I got my hands on these things. I mean, if you have to remember, like, you know, even when I was, even at the beginning of Steps and the first time I heard Tony Moran's mix of Wonder oh, Sorrow, and yeah. I loved, I love Tony. Yeah. Tony's one of those guys who, when we were growing up doing our thing, you know, there was, you know, Tony Morales, Clibbles and Cole, these were, we were, these were our contemporaries, but we were all doing stuff at the same time. So, and I, I remember going, gosh, I'd love to get my hands on that. And the same with Tragedy, I was like, oh, I'd love to do it and I never did I never done a steps remix until I took over as, as, as live so it was so much fun but of course the hilarious thing about tragedy is that you know for anyone that hasn't seen the show there's a massive wedding march at the beginning of it and which makes probably no sense until you've seen the show mm, um, yeah. <laughs> but then once you transition out of that um I love it you know I'm, I'm for, again it's I'm a dance I'm from dance week I, you can't build a, a tea like a teasing build-up it's so funny it. that you say that about the wedding march. A mate of mine, this is like six months ago, I said he he was like putting some stuff on Instagram and he put some pop songs. And I said, listen to this one. This is Steps. And I sent him the 25 mix. And within yeah. the first like 30 seconds, it's a wedding song. Like what's happening? I was like, no, no, give it a, yeah. give it a moment. And then like 30 <laughs> seconds later from that, he's like, oh, I see what you mean now. <laughs> yeah. And then it I is sent a him the clip. Song. Yeah, it is. It is. I sent him the <laughs> clip from the, the, um, from the concert as well. And he was like, oh, this makes so much more sense. And then by the end of it, he was like, hey, that was really good. And I was like, that's why I sent it to you, okay. mate. Like, honestly. <laughs> well, we, we, thought about lopping that intro off for the 25 version but everyone seemed no. to wanted that version do you know what i mean yep. so yeah yeah that's yeah. what well, makes thank it you. i was... think and i think the other thing with tragedy that version of tragedy is already tragedy the original version is brilliant and it's so over the top and it's so different to the bg's original i mean for many people tragedy is a step song not a bg's song which you know it's just it's to do with you know generations and stuff but then it was like, well, what else can I do? And I was like, well, I know, you know, we can I can just buy a full orchestra on it and horns and strings and just go nuts. Just be the biggest version of tragedy there ever, ever was. It was so good. And uh, so, yeah, thanks. That's uh, that was a fun one. Um, with just one more thing on my tears. Was there a plan B if Delta couldn't get, because I know at this time, Del this was when Delta was uh, voice rest from my memory around mm -hmm. this time. So if she mm -hmm. couldn't do it, was there a plan B? Was there other people you had in mind? I wouldn't accept one. I knew she was going to do it. <laughs> Love that. I, I genuinely yeah. did. I genuinely, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't, I wasn't, I don't think any of us were, 
you know, it, we, it came very close, mm. but I, I believe fully in Delta Goodrum. Yeah. And I know that she will do, she will deliver. Yeah. And she always delivers. And she did. And she did. Amazing. Good answer. <laughs> it was either that it would just, or there just wouldn't be no more tears on the album. That would have been the alternative. She was always going to do it. Yeah. I, I trust her implicitly. Yeah. Um, one of the other things Claire mentioned, uh, I think in a retro pop, um interview was we talked about love will save the day but she also mentioned that she recorded open your heart by madonna leave a light on by belinda carlisle and mm -hmm. love's about to change my heart by donna summer were those yeah. really it was just like we we need to cull this down like were they not good enough or it was just we've got too many we we got a cut i, I think the, the original songs are incredible i mean open your heart is one of my favorite madonna songs it just i think I think it was one of those ones that we we started and I just think it, we we didn't think we could bring the same magic to um, on that one. And I think Donna, we'd already got, obviously No More Tears was Donna and we tried This Time I Know It's For Real uh, and, love, and, and, and the other one, and Love's About To Change. I mean, Love's About To Change, I love that song. Oh my God, it's an amazing song. But this time it, it was between the two and I think we recorded both. And, and there was a point where this time was 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 on the cusp, more to do with me, actually. I had the first incarnation of this time, and that's real. I don't know. It just it wasn't great. I wasn't happy with it. And, and I couldn't. It, it was the one I struggled with the most. Um, it's Stockache and Waterman, of course. So you don't. The temptation is just to do a version like they would, only updated. But you just I'd rather, then people just listen to the original. Um, and then that was one that I didn't have the whole vision of how it was going to end up and it was getting quite close to the bone of doing it and then it was a, a eureka moment one day when i was when i was out and and most of the times with a lot of creatives um we tend to have ideas when we're not in the place where we can exact them so it's normally when you're away from the studio and you're doing something else all of a sudden the pop up pop in your head and uh yeah and then i realized or worked out this time i know it's real why don't we take that song back to kind of Donna Summer 70s disco, you know, sort of a, a re reverse it, basically reverse engineer it, but then drums wise and bass wise, keep it in a contemporary kind of doer-esque disco world. Yeah. So so that that came around. So yeah, that that was it. But anything that we tried, it was never down. The songs are always amazing. And, and also, you know, to pay homage to Madonna would have been wonderful. She was a huge inspiration on Claire and massive inspiration on me. Um, but it just, we just knew it was a weird thing. We would just look at each other and just go mm, mm, close, but not, no not quite. We needed the magic. You yep. needed to feel the magic. And on, on every song on, on Euphoria, we felt it. We yep. just knew whether, whether anyone else was going to agree, we had no idea, but we just knew between us and the management that it had something special and we could bring, it never felt like it was doing it for the sake of it or doing it because we should. You should. You Just on this time I know it's real, I'm just curious, have you actually ever heard the Young Divas version, which were they're yes. an Australian pop group? Yeah. Just, yes. Just... Yeah, which I thought was a really good version, but again, that was very much taking it into a more mod, like again, a more sort of modern dance world. Mm, yes. So I was, I was, I didn't want to do that. And there's other versions that have been really, really sped up and are kind of ravey and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> I just thought, you know, it's look, you can't stock egg and a waterman write 
the most incredible pop songs. So you can never really go wrong with them. Um, but again, I was always keen to try and do something, something different to what had been done before. Um, and and yeah, and and that's why it worked out. But I mean, arguably, we could have done seven Donna Summer songs. You know, you could have done a whole album of Donna Summer if you wanted to, because she's got that's so, the next she's album. So, yeah, she's so <laughs> perfect for this stuff. <laughs> she's so perfect for this stuff. But um, yeah, that's that's why those other those others didn't go on. I have a little point here to go back and circle back to because we've already touched on it, and it's about never trust a stranger. Um, Ooh, yes, that song. Look, I heard that song as a kid. My mum's a massive eighties and King Wild fan, and like massive, like a lot of songs from the eighties. Like I heard them all when I was young. But it had, I had not heard it for a very long time. And then I'm playing the album and it comes on and I'm like, what the hell? And then next thing you know, I'm just, like I listen to it daily still. Um, it Like that was, from what you've just said, <clears throat> I think that's one of those songs that when Claire started recording it, it was just that magic moment, yeah? Yeah, it like, was. It's phenomenal. Immediately, just prior to that, interestingly, um, I have a show, uh, one of my a show that I work on uh, called Eighties Classical, which is bringing original eighties artists together with a full symphony orchestra. And last year, last year, yeah, um, Kim Wilde was one of the artists. Um, Kim was there, Belinda Carlisle was there, and Claire was watching the show. So she, we did never trust a stranger. And, and so it was kind of in the in in the area, but also as I said before, Peter Lorraine from Fascination. It's just one of his favourite songs, in the way that like slightest touch is one of his favourite songs. You know, he has this thing. So, um, and Kim again was a was a really big influence on, on on Claire as far as being an incredible pop star. I mean, you know that sort of UK Madonna almost sort of thing. Um, Kim and and and, and Ricky are, are kind of really good friends of mine. Ricky's. Her, her brother is also the most amazing producer produced kids in america wrote it still writes and produces to this day so yeah that was one which we just tried and i and i was keen to not um i didn't want to do what i'd done with kim with it which was like orchestrate it and because that was her version and i think in the future that version will end up coming out with the orchestra so I thought to go, it was the one time that I felt that we could go quite synth wave with it mm. and, you know, go Action. very, yeah, thank mm. you. Well, that's that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It was just to get really analog synths, but actually in a world where it didn't sound, it had 80s, but it was kind of modern 80s yeah. in the way that something like Ava Max is modern 80s yep. or, you know, there's I've, so many other people that are doing this brilliantly in, in I mean, including Kylie perfectly on there's three tracks on tension that do that job so um yeah and then but yeah the moment that she within five seconds i just was smiling from ear to ear just listening to her sing it and the i just said this is it this is on and interestingly for people um sort of younger people who've never heard that song before it became their instant favorite from the album because it felt like a new song and like I had heard that song before, but when I was really little. So for me, it's almost like I had this moment. I was like, I know this song, but then instantly it's my favorite. So yeah, I I had that magic moment. Same as you, when you and Claire were smiling at each other, I was like, ah, oh, this is instantly being oh, played 700 times yeah. a day for me. So <laughs> And, and uh, you know, brilliant, the brilliance of Ricky Wilde's songwriting and, you know, the, the, the Wilde family in general is the fact that you can take a song from that long ago 
and put it out now and, and it still sounds fresh. Mm. I had the so, pleasure uh, of seeing Kim Wilde at Marty Hoopla last year, the the Hoopla nice. that Steps performed at. And yes. my goodness, I had never seen Kim Wilde before. And I was like, what did I just witness? She went off. Me and my friends, well, we were just plus, like, what the hell? It was so good. Plus you were in a very overcrowded, sweaty tent. That too. That 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 uh, too adds to the atmosphere. I was there, by the way. I was were there. You? I'd, oh. uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, were. absolutely. Yeah. Were you in the crowd with us, there... or were you standing offside well, to the yeah, stage? I was kind of so. So I was there with Louise Redknapp. So Louise was played the same day. But um, yeah, I was. I watched the. the yeah, I saw that that set. Okay, it was as good. Well. It, it was like a, it was a weird. They haven't. They they took it away this year. But just to, this is really boring. But I'm just going to talk about the fact that that tent had a weird roof and it was just really resonant. And it was like being. I would imagine I've never been, but it was almost like being at Wembley Stadium for a World Cup match. It yeah. was just the crowds were unbelievable in that in that thing. They were, yeah. And and and, and Kim was, yeah. I mean, Kim Wilde is, yeah, just live is extraordinary. So like I, I went into that going because my friends like oh let's go see Kim Wilde so we went into there and I walked out of it and I was like have I just seen one of the best acts a side act that's not even a headliner here I think I have uh, it was great yeah you have so, yeah <laughs> yeah I'll um I'll I'll if you, if you haven't seen it I'll send you there's there's a link on YouTube which people can find of uh, Kim doing Kids in America at 80s Classical with the full symphony orchestra. oh yeah wow. send it to us that'd be great um, that's I'd that's love to watch. that's what a, that's what a rock star looks like oh fantastic. <laughs> Um, we have some notes here to talk about some other songs, of course, obviously. Um, sure. Euphoria, the title uh-huh. track. How did that one sort of like, Claire's sort of mentioned it a few times, but how did that one sort of come about? And was when you recorded that you were like, oh, that actually has to be the title. Like that's the title track. We need that to be the title. Or was the whole Eurovision thing, like we want Claire to, to do something with Eurovision and she's like, let's record it and go from there. So we didn't have Euphoria until the very end. So the last two things that went on the album were Euphoria and and No More Tears after I got Delta's vocal. Uh, there was a WhatsApp group um, trying to think of album titles for months. And Claire's, I know, I've, I've heard Claire say this as well. And when you're trying to find a title for a cover, it's really, really hard. Yeah. Like everything is, everything is just rubbish. You know, you just but you go down these roads and say, well, I'll say this rubbish thing and it might be anyway. It, <laughs> I, I'd, I wouldn't even say hundreds. I'd say thousands of names. I'd be like, yeah, oh, it's not OK. Yeah, oh, no, is that good? Like weird, like, oh, God, it was we just didn't know what to call the record. Um, and and Claire always said it, it's infuriating, but something will happen. Um, and the, the, the what actually happened was, as you said, she was asked to perform a headline at the um, the pre-Eurovision party in Liverpool. And I think management said, oh, you should do a Eurovision song. She said, well, if I'm doing one, I should do Euphoria. And then it was literally as simple as, oh, that's quite a good album title. <laughs> Maybe we should do that. And then management said, oh, God, we should have recorded it, you know, but we go to mastering in like whatever, three days. And then I went, yeah, we can do that so i love this we did so yeah so literally it was i kind of <clears throat> got back worked on it went to hers finished we got it all done and dusted in three days um, wow. so that's the last two things i did was was we did the euphoria version and the and i finished the mix on no more tears for mastering and we had an album title which we were searching for 
and it came from the because it was everything the album is euphoric yeah and and we'd gone down all these other roads of trying to explain what it was about and it was like one word it has to be one word it's like well, there it is because i read somewhere that i think was it maybe adam for a while wanted it to be called songs for the for lonely or songs for the lonely i'd, re- that I'd was read one of the suggestions he... <laughs> interesting that was album, one of the suggestions way. yeah there was that oh my gosh there was so i can't even remember so many but you just get to that point it's really genuinely hard when you're trying to explain a concept for a record in one you know in one title and it not sound like you know it it not sound naff really in all honesty i remember steps saying all this in the various different promo interviews they had for what the future holds part two that they were spending so much time to try and work out probably thousands of suggestions in that whatsapp group that they have with all five and 25 of them or whatever and they were spending so much time to find the album name for that album that they decided on what the future holds part two because they couldn't get to a point of what else to call it hey, it works. so i get and it did it, it actually works and with euphoria as well claire's voice again it was almost like that song was made for her because it was yeah. written by the same people who wrote something in your eyes so i think there's something to do with those songwriters as well but the her vo- her voice was just made for that song well i i think the you know the resonance within loreen and the resonance within claire is kind of probably similar and the range is quite similar um i mean loreen is one of the most spectacular singers you know i've ever heard and uh you know way beyond the two eurovision songs you know that that just in general that you know the album and you know, she almost, to me, she has that kind of Leona Lewis sort of quality to her voice, which I, I find incredible. So again, with Euphoria, that was one that was tricky because it was like, well, we you 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 don't want to reinvent the wheel totally because so much of it is about the sound. But again, I just thought, well, if I can kind of bring it up to date a bit, a bit, a little bit, and then just do my regular thing of, you know, there's a gospel choir on it now, there's an orchestra on it now, there's a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't there before, which kind of shines a bit more on the on the orchestral version, so you can hear kind of more of what's underneath all the dance stuff. Um, but yeah, Claire's vocal on it is 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 incredible, um, and she loves the song. I mean, I'm all about artists and singers connecting with songs. Um, I'm always about believability over technical ability um luckily claire has has both but i i want people to feel something i don't want people to listen to something and go oh that sounds technically perfect it was like do you feel it does it make you feel something do you get an emotion from it um and and that's exactly what claire delivered in 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 that vocal on that record on that song and, and and throughout the album We've touched on Xanadu already, and so Claire's done a version of Xanadu on this album. So you obviously get that same feeling of magic and, and emotion from, like, was there another Olivia Newton-John song that you were think, considering for the album as well, outside of Xanadu? Or did you want to do Xanadu because of your love for Olivia and it needed to be done with Claire's vocals? Well, it was, it was Olivia was also very much on her list of, of people, you know, that she wanted to be when she was growing up, you know, that... If you think about that kind of her growing up in the sort of, you know, I mean, it wouldn't have been Xanadu because let's be honest, there's not that many people in the world that ever saw Xanadu. Mm. Um, there's, only a, there's only a few of us. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, because of, you know, because of Greece and, and, and also just Olivia's whole career, you know, through physical and everything. Um, but no, Xanadu just felt like the right, it felt like the right song, the right feeling for the record and also a way to explore 
you know certainly in the in the first verse and the, you know the softer side of, of Claire's voice before we kind of get big um, but the other thing about Xanadu and actually running through this entire album is I had the most incredible team of of, of in the studio working on it specifically the the backing singers who whose job was to sort of deconstruct you know some of the backing vocal parts so you know um, I mean on Xanadu it's a girl called Bianca Claxton who I've worked with a lot you know and you need all of those answers and all the Jeff Lynn stuff but it needed to be female not male and you know like there's so many intricate elements that go into making Xanadu what it is um, so um, but no I, I didn't I mean I, I could name hundreds of Olivia songs that I'd love to hear that I'd love to do but Xanadu was the right one for this project just one of the other songs that I really fell in love with that kind of surprised me because I'd never heard the original was never knew love like this before that's mm. actually one of my the vocals on that are beautiful um just any any stories or memories of of how that came about so never knew love like this before was one of the songs that we had done on the karaoke um thing um it's i'm originally from a, a in a place called Essex uh, in, in, in England and it's known for its kind of you know soul love love of kind of soul music and so I was aware of that song originally but it it gained a sort of second life around the series Pose where one of the where yeah so where Candy when you know there's that whole thing where, where Candy died and it was it was her sort of you know was like a wake song it was so beautiful and she lip-synced to it so when um we did that there was a lot of love from that kind of community which is hugely important to me and always has been so um it just felt like and actually i think never knew love like this before was possibly one of the very first ones that we did before it came in became euphoria so when we were more in a disco world um and it just it just stayed because it was glorious and um again backing vocals on that is by a friend of mine katie Holmes smith who's uh, adele's who works with Adele and um, I just wanted that one to have a lot of feel of the original but again almost like one of those great sort of DJ French kind of cut up versions of it that felt fresh still feels really fresh like it sampled it but it's not sampled we obviously redid it all um, so yeah and I think it was like shows a real the, the real soulful part of her voice as well uh, and also just we need something as well in there just to get you know if this thing ever goes out and tours and stuff she's like you need a mid-tempo oh yeah she needs a break she needs to sit down <laughs> she... <laughs> it's, it's still a big song but you know what i mean um so yeah i i i adore that it's one of my favorites on the album and um yeah and and again it still has i feel it always has now that resonance as much as it does with with the original singer i think it has that resonance with 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 pose and you know acceptance and all of the things that we all stand for and believe in and the other song that i just wanted to touch on was um song for lonely was yeah. it's such an incredible choice for share i think you know what was the decision okay that's going to be the share song because you know was believe ever in the the uh on the list at all or was it always going to be that one um i think claire's said before that a bit like the kind of why we didn't do i want to dance with somebody there's certain songs you just don't touch you know saying that i just saw a few weeks ago um and jesse ware does the most incredible version of the belief but she totally changes it and it's it's brilliant but um no song for the lonely was out was adam klein uh who came up with it and uh, adam is like a pop 
genius. I mean, you know, I try, I think I've kind of got a, that sort of encyclopedic knowledge, but Adam is, it's freaky what he can, what he can remember. And then it was in the kit in the kitchen that day. He said all about this, and and I was like, oh yeah, I kind of remember that song, and I don't know why it hadn't really resonated with me. And then with the moment we listened to it, it was like, oh my god, yeah. And again, it was it's it's such a share song. It's such a metrophonic, you know, Mark Taylor song who I love, um, but it had that very brilliant specific nineties, also two thousands sound to it um and i immediately the moment i listened to Cher's version i was like oh yeah i know how to do this like i've i could hear the whole i know how to update it if it works and again it was one of those ones where within the first five seconds we were like yep that's it and then it was like let's just turn this into the banger of all bangers and i again your extended mix that extended mix and with the extra vocals towards the end brilliant ah yes well that was how we recorded it and then um and again with these those two incredible uh girls and my friend um uh, on, on bvs and so they we got a chance to feature them a bit more but um yeah we always got and then when it got to the album version it just felt like oh, it just felt like it was going on a bit too long it just didn't really work in the context of the album so we snipped it for that so it was really nice with all these different editions that we were able to to, to give everyone the, the, the full version of it as well um we haven't touched on i surrender i saw i surrender at the ultimate tour um, back in 2012 it was the very first time I ever got to see Steps live. So I saw it as a ballad version, which it's, I guess, known for. So I love the fact that this version on this album is, is a bit more disco, like what you were uh, trying to achieve. And it's made me re-love the song again, this version of it, because not that I didn't like it to start with, but you know when you fall in love with something again you haven't heard for a while? Because Claire had done it on the Ultimate Tour before. It was like, oh, we have to do this again because she's done it before. Or it was just like another one of those songs where you just sort of whittled it down and and got to there. No, it was absolutely, it was her <clears throat> her song. We'd done it on karaoke. She'd done it on the tour. Um, we were looking, we were, we kind of, once we'd got to the point where we knew what we were making, we knew that we just wanted everything apart from one song to be up-tempo. We felt that, you know, the the ballads album and the mid-tempo album had sort of been done. So we knew it was that. And then I was sort of, I was always inspired a bit. Um, again, going back to Tony Moran, Tony did a, a really amazing remix of My Heart Will Go On, um, which was is still to this day one of my favourite remixes anyone's ever done of anything. Um, so is that taking that thing and again i surrender is for the sort of from a boring technical point of view is one of those ballads that kind of what we call doubles up so it's a tempo which means you don't have to you don't have to change too much you just put kind of it's kind of half speed so you just put a four four on it slightly slightly faster but um yeah so and again that was just about respectfully updating it and making it up tempo but keeping it classy in a sort of modern way, I suppose, to which, again, Tony did The Heart Will Go On or say someone like Frankie Knuckles did, you know, Unbreak My Heart. Yep. Those classic ballads that became dance records and disco records. Um, and, and actually, I've always thought that a lot of those, the greatest songs, greatest disco songs and dance songs, you know, do sometimes start as ballads and then you just put a beat on them. Um, but the one thing about I Surrender, I will remember... I remember completely is it, when we recorded it the vocal 
pretty much uh, that certainly from when we get to well almost all of it but certainly that sort of chorus to the whole middle eight is the first take wow, wow. She just it's the first time it's the first time she'd sung it since she did it in karaoke wow and and at the end of it it was just like muscle memory just came back and there's hardly anywhere to breathe in i surrender so it was one of those ones where she almost did it and collapsed but i was just like okay well that's that's done then and i was like should we do another one i was like no <laughs> perfection no. I'm, I'm one of those yeah i i just there's no way it's like what if it's just it's like it's fine it's it, that's it you're never gonna that's brilliant of course she now sings it whenever she goes out live and smashes it all the time i wasn't worried that she couldn't do it again but there was a magic in the fact it's the first time we didn't prep it we didn't routine it i said let's just go straight into record and see what happens and that's what happened was that the and only that song is... that had a first go recording oh like... no there's loads of them yeah there's loads of them I imagine because that. it's that amazing thing that happens when you know someone gets to sing something for the first time i like i always love when you write songs you know this is why a lot of people go back and keep their demo vocals you know because there's a magic in there where you're just like reacting for the first time and you just something different happens so you know yeah there's not there's not a lot with claire richards you know you, it's not a lot of takes anyway because it just comes out like that so she's such a gift as for a producer scott i think i told you on our last podcast that i when i saw her it, at VR in Manchester just recently, it was to have the pleasure of seeing her, what you just said, stretch those vocals on I Surrender and just belt out that note in the club. It was like, wow, I was yeah, yeah. blown away. And like I've seen Steps quite a few times and I've seen One for Sorrow when she does that big note at the end because that's what happens now. It It's, yeah, it was really, as a fan who who's grown up with her, um, to see this and have her have her moment, it was wonderful to see. Amazing. Glad you enjoyed it. The album ends on Goodbye to Love, which is for all Steps fans will know that because Claire is a massive Carpenters fan, was from the get-go of making this album, was there always, we have to record this song, no matter, even if the rest of the album is quite up-tempo, we have to do this song because she just, the, it, it's very emotional listening to that. And I actually wonder if it was emotional for her recording that song. Um, yeah, to, so to answer the question, absolutely. She was adamant that this would be there. It was the first song, Karen Carpenter was the first voice she fell in love with. This was the first song that she ever performed in for an audience when she was eight or nine years old or something. Um, it was, Karen Carpenter is such a huge figure for her. So it was always, we need to do it and it should be the last track. Um, and, and I'm, obviously a, a massive Carpenters fan as well and a massive Karen fan. So uh, then it was like, which, you know, it, I think there was a bit of which song do we do, which song do we do, but this one felt right. Um, and yeah, I think it was emotional because this one I did wasn't, we didn't try out because we knew it was going to work. So um, I did the whole piano string arrangement before we recorded. And I did the same thing. I just said, well, here it is, sing along. And, and yeah, it was incredibly emotional i mean for as many times in the recording of that album that you know we were kind of jumping around and weeping you know there was a few times and that's one of them where it just got very you know you're just trying to hold the emotion in so you don't make a noise because i'm in the same room as her so you know you don't want me sniveling in the background start blubbering in the corner breaking my heart god to be uh, a fly on the wall of this 
process. So uh, yeah, so um, so uh, yeah, I'm just always always incredibly proud of her. But yeah, that that just touched on the side of her voice, which I guess people don't often hear. Um, and again, it's that's about that believability. You know, you can't sing a song like that unless you've got that sort of you know that real strong believability to to deliver those lyrics and that melody. Um, and it was a nice excuse again always an excuse to put strings on something yeah me yeah yeah and it's a good again in the set list if she does tour she can have a sit down (laughs) totally (laughs) which she loves exactly the album's made it to number two and if it wasn't for vernaboy it would be number one but why do you think i think you've kind of maybe already answered this question but why do you think it's connected with the public so much well firstly and one of the reasons that i mean i i love you guys and I love the pod and I think it's fantastic but one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk to you is that just to firstly say thank you to anybody that got any like bought it streamed it downloaded it multiple versions whatever even Claire's specific artwork versions yep. which you got know one in my drawer did. it's over there you? Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah we, we both which got she one did, yeah she did she did by hand uh and it was you know she's meticulous at all that stuff she really you know she's she's really really genuinely cares so for anybody that that had any involvement in it, I would just want to say really thank you because it it kind of it it means the world to, to to us and to everybody involved in making it. But you know, also to me to see you know her you know my friend go and do this incredible thing and and it be it have this incredible sort of amount of love for it. I mean, honestly, when we were making it, we thought we hoped we thought we felt it was right. I think Claire said. It's, you know, you, you know, you're doing something about, you know, there's something that feels right about it. So we thought it was good. But I think probably in real honesty, we might have, we thought, well, gosh, if it goes top 10, that would be amazing. You know, we never in our wildest dreams <laughs> would have said, would have thought it would go. And, and for a few days, it was sat number, at number one. one. And we were like, what how has this happened? Like, how has this happened? But I think it's, it, it's tantamount to and i mean officially you know she got a, a official charts number one award yes, the other day it was number that. one sales it was number yeah. one everywhere was number one in everything St- bloody streaming it was number one in our hearts oh, let's be exactly. honest exactly uh, but that's fine the, the, the world is the world and that's totally fine you know that that's all cool so but yeah i i think the main thing is is that we we didn't know it was going to do as well and i think she really worked so hard you know i mean probably obviously in the UK more but so many signings so many interviews so many like there was so much she couldn't have done more um in the promotion of it you know incredible management demon incredible record label and uh and I think I just I I guess people liked what we liked and they liked her singing those songs and I think it wasn't too left of center but it also wasn't just a covers album for the sake of a covers album you know, people were, people appreciated it was coming from her heart and her genuine love of these singers throughout her life was was so in, important to her. And let's congratulate yourself on that there because your incredible production of this album adds to all of that magic as well and made all of us fall in love with it. The revamping of all the songs, the disco, the contemporising everything adds to what you've just said so a big 
a shout out to you as well, Steve, because you helped well, with that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, we it's just, you know, I've said this before. It's just two friends like having so much fun and, you know, and, and that that's kind of the, the, the basis of the record and the fact that came across and the fact that it did so well. And there's people that have obviously heard her in the band who may not have heard the first solo album who may be more aware of, of, of what, you know, what she does now. So, and, and that's wonderful. Um, just some other little, I was, uh, you may know this person, his name's John, but he calls himself DJ Argonaut. He runs Bar Kylie here in Melbourne. Oh, what a dude. Love, love Argonaut. <laughs> He's going to love that when he hears you say that. He, I happened to catch up with him on the Bar Kylie that just happened last week for Tension. And we, we, you know, we say hello to each other. We know each other we're friends. And he just was, he didn't know that I was interviewing you today. I told him after what he just told me. And he's like, I do guys, Claire's album is so fucking good. The production wow. on it is absolute perfection, but her vocals is just like phenomenal. Emulating everything you've just said on, you know, the last, over this last hour. But I just had to pass that on because I know that you know of him and he gave such oh, high praise for it. And I wanted to tell you. So, I listen. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and from him, that's amazing because he does incredible remixes. He does. He really, really. He's done some of my favorite, like, he's done some incredible Kylie remixes that have never, that have never come out or never, you know, but yeah, he's, he's, he's great. So um, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that coming from him. I guess um, we've talked a lot about Euphoria and we've said thank you to all the fans and everything like that. But I guess where do you think Claire might go next with her solo music? Have there been any discussions between the two of you on a dog walk or, you know, making some <laughs> chorizo eggies in the kitchen, like on what's going to happen after CR2? Is there a tour, Steve? That's what yeah, everyone wants to know. That's what we want to know. Are we manifesting a tour? <laughs> that that would be lovely, wouldn't it? It would be fantastic. I, I, I've always said that I am kind of... You know, I, I, we make the stuff, we don't sell the stuff. So it's like, I would love that as much as you would love that. Um, it's, it's certainly in other people's hands. Uh, if, if that can be a possibility, then I'm sure it will absolutely happen. What would you envision the, if there was a show, how would you envision it to open? Like, what would you envision the opening song to be? Oh gosh. I don't, I, I don't even like to think about it until it's, a, <laughs> until someone tells me it's happening. Cause I'll run away with it. <laughs> it has to be, it has to open then, euphoria. Then, it has to open and then, euphoria. And then I would get, well, we open. So if you saw the Via thing, so at the moment, the show, the pride show is open with no more tears. Correct. Yep. Um, with the two back, two backing singers taking load, which is really, really good. But um, yeah, I don't, I, I can't think about it. If someone tells me it's happening, I'll think about it. But if not, I'll just run away with myself and I'll have the whole thing done and then get disappointed if it doesn't happen. I'm here to tell you it's happening. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Very kind. No, no, no. Um, I just quietly, I was kind of, I think Scott was also hoping for this as well. We were kind of quietly hoping that um, because Delta was touring the UK around the time that Claire was doing like, lots of media that it might yeah. be like a cheeky little cheeky little pop-up somewhere. I was like, I went and saw Delta in Birmingham and I was like, come on, Claire, you're down the road. Come up, come up and just do No More Tears. So, Steve, you, um, I don't know if you know this, but because I think you went to the London show and a lot of people yeah. saw you in the audience and assumed Claire was going to come out and it was, mm. you know, online, on the floor, everything. And, and then we were like, oh, it's going to happen, but it didn't happen. No, I mean, I was there obviously to support Delta and um, and I was so super touched. If Obviously, you've seen the show, so you know that Delta ends with the version of Believe Again that we did together. I'm fairly sure that version, she performed that last week and I'm sure the version she did was your version, actually. 
Oh, I mean, I I didn't know that was going to happen. I really didn't know. I mean, I obviously I knew uh, she had everything from me for it, but that really I was. I mean, I was I wasn't there for that. I was there for her. You know, I'm a huge fan, and and um, but no, I think it would have been lovely for the girls to get together. I just think it was timing wise, it was really really tricky um, with both of their schedules. It's it sounds weird when they're both in the same town at the same time, but. There's, you know, different things. And I think the night before that show, I think Claire had done G.A.Y. at Heaven. And that was a really, really late show. And yeah, um, it just didn't run. And I think, you know, Delta's show is, it was, you know, it is Delta's show. Yeah. So I wouldn't rule it out for the future. Mm. Okay. Um, I, 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 I love Delta's show. I love, I think that the single is one of the songs of the year. And just watching her like shine is, is just fills my heart with joy. Before we kind of wrap up everything, one of the other things we wanted to touch on with you quickly was Brighton Pride because that's obviously yes. Steps did that a few months ago. And I think we need to start with everyone lost their mind because tragedy for the first time in, I want to say, 23 years since the Steps into Christmas tour was not only, not only was it not the encore, it was pretty be at much at the beginning of the show. So we want to know what was the thinking? Cause that's a massive statement to, to not end with tragedy. I think people were quite shocked. So I think, you know, obviously we've, we've talked a lot about, about Claire and, and, and that is, you know, I love, you know, working the, that record's amazing and we have that, that great thing, but I'm a similarly, super super proud of the work that i do with steps i mean you've got that is you know five people that that are responsible for that putting that those, those shows being on stage putting those shows and they all bring their own thing to it uh it, it's incredible people adore those five you know they just it's such an incredible love that people have for them and i think pride was um it's a headline show it uh it, it was I think they've said that they're going to take a little bit of a break um, at the moment because it's quite a, a long time of, of, of stuff yeah. they were doing together with yeah. all the albums and stuff. Yeah. So it felt like it needed to be the ultimate celebration. Um, Bright and Pride, I've been lucky to work out a few times before. It's, you know, it's just one. Of, I consider Bright and Pride to be our Sydney Mardi Gras. Um, I really do. And, uh, but as far as the set list is concerned, I think... I think you have to look at uh, there's there's sort of different things in different audiences and i just i think steps what's really clever about steps what i love about steps is that steps have managed to have a second career with songs mm. that are as strong if not stronger than the yep. first yep so they don't have to rely on always going back to the, the old songs at the end because they do have this incredible catalog which is you know down to their management and and them and their choices of songs and songwriters i mean you know something like scared of the dark is 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 you know just a complete classic and you know can end end a show as much as it can start to show so i think the idea with tragedy i mean sometimes there are times when you need to do that but brighton pride felt like it didn't need to do that and we had this whole other idea of how it would end and um just felt like it was the right time to do it and i felt it was the right audience i think we all felt like that audience wouldn't hear tragedy and go oh well we that's it now we'll, we'll go home because they knew what was left to come do you know what i mean yeah um 
what an incredible show the saturday night of brighton pride unfortunately for everyone was there it was raining and it was like oh gosh it was awful the weather was terrible but then the sunday was glorious it was beautifully sunny uh incredible acts on beforehand and um it it was incre it was incredible and brighton pride the thing about brighton pride for anyone that's never been there's the kind of an audience that you see and then there's some screens and then there's an audience behind that audience which is all the kind of families with kids and kind of you know they've got their tents and teepees up and stuff and when i walked back from the front of house there the mixing desk you know you see this whole other party that's going on behind the main party and that's what is brilliant about steps is that steps audience is completely inclusive across the board you can be you know h says it so perfectly you can be anyone from anywhere it's a safe space for everybody and and i love that band for that to have that audience and to be that for 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 a you know a five-year-old kid dancing around you know to like masses of you know people in the audience just living their best lives so it's it's always super special a step show but pride was was really really special i mean with what you just said and that band and everything that you have just said resonates so much with scott brad and myself um I mean, we've touched on this in the podcast. You've listened before, you know, our love for it. I'm not going to go into it too much, but um, the same thing, love them. Uh, like I've grown up with them. They like we've grown up together. So I have such an adoration when I see Claire get emotional talking about her number two, I feel that same emotion because I'm proud of her with what she's achieved um, to have you sort of explain a bit more of the inner workings of that just, just capsulates it and rounds it off even more. Um, and so Brighton Pride was just like, like you said, that celebration. So I could see that as a fan, even though I wasn't there, I was like so upset I couldn't go. But it was, <laughs> it was, um, it was really great to to see. One of the things that we added to that set list was like Rain on Me and Unholy, and uh -huh. I love that those contemporary songs were added. Like especially Unholy is not a song you would accept. Um, expect steps to cover or do um there was maybe a bit of talk that we were going to like cheekily they were going to cover padam padam and be a bit more you know what was going on but i think that was just some stuff happening online of people just always talking about kylie appearing everywhere um but did you approach them with those two tracks or did they say hey we want to cover some songs let's work out together or did they come up with those two songs unholy was um so Frank Strachan is the creative director. Um, he also works with Sam Smith. And, um, but it was more to do with the fact that we, you see, we probably think way too hard about this stuff and it and it, and it doesn't translate, but it was in the middle of, of Scared of the Dark and Better the Devil You Know. So we were going, it was quite lyrically, it fitted in that world of, you know, scared, devil, unholy. Yep. That's how our brains work. I mean, <laughs> but we knew that it couldn't be like, it would be weird to do the whole song, but it just felt like, gosh, if you did a drop, just a drop to a halftime kind of trap beat and steps sang unholy with like full out choreography, like Mark Jennings, full out choreography. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. So we sold it to that. And initially I think it was like, really like there's things that we've done where we sort of try and sell these things and it's a bit initially they're like okay uh like even in the last tour when we did um 
five, six, seven, eight with that kind of the kind of break. People. So it, oh, okay, you're like you just, and then all of a sudden they're like, ah, oh, right, okay, you it. see it with the choreography and everything, yeah. and they get it. Uh, Rain on me um, was well. There was a, there's a few things again. It's bright and pride. Gosh, you've got to be so careful what you go and cover. Um, but I think the moment Rain on Me came up, um, I think it was me or Adam or both of us. I think instantly there was like, uh, I mean, Faye was like pfft, straight on board. I think Claire, <laughs> you know, they were all. Like, I think they were like, oh yeah, cool. And because it's a duet, and it's not again I iconic. You know, if you talked about something like Padam Padam, I mean, that's one of those songs that's associated with one artist and can never really be covered. Um, whereas Rain on Me, and Rain on Me felt old enough weird i know it feels like it's still new but felt old enough to cover i think it's really weird when you cover something that's that's out you know unless you're going to do it like unholy where you just dip into a bit of it um but steps the five people in steps are across every decision to do with their live shows you know we can only bring things to the table and say how about this what do you think about this i've done this do you like this idea but ultimately those five people have stood on those stages for all of those years. So there is nobody better to know what works with their audience than the five people on the stage. So we can only, as I say, we can only bring elements to it and try and give our very best to say, here are some options that we thought of, what do you think? Uh, and sometimes they'll get it. Sometimes, as I said, we have to push a little harder because we think eventually it will get there. Um, but, but yeah we're not on that stage they're on that stage they're who people came to see you know we are there to support those five people and that's our jobs and make sure the audience have an amazing time i've all steve i've actually always been quite curious um because obviously you work with steps but you also work with kylie they both have a song called better the devil you know how when you were doing a step show and you're doing a kylie show is it really easy for you with that particular song to separate the two and look at them as two individual tracks like this is a kylie song this is a step song and they're different or has there ever been times where you've gone do you know what what i did for kylie i'll just copy paste and, and put that in the step show like how how hard is it to to kind of separate the two yeah I, i'd never do the 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 copy paste thing i think <laughs> i'm very very I'm very, very careful to make sure that the the versions of that song that I've done with the two acts that have, have well, the person that recorded it originally and the people that covered it, they are always very, very different. They always have a different element to them. Um, I think, you know, there's a, there's a generation that's grown up that, that feel that the Steps version is the original version, just from a point of their age, which is kind of, you know, <clears throat> totally fine. You know, there's people that grow up that think that the Chain Reaction is a Steps song. You know and that's that's what happens that's you know that's why people cover stuff that's great i love that it reignites songs but no i've, I've never um i'm always in incredibly cautious to make sure that the the two the versions that i do of that song for the two artists are are wildly different um and actually even down to the last version that we did which was the sort of shep pettibone vogue-esque mm, one so was, good that know, vogue graph was amazing well, that was the band and, and Frank that wrote that. And it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was such a genius little idea from them. But, um, but yeah, just, no, so I, I'm, yeah, I'm super careful that we never go down the same, that, that, that they're definably different. And they are sort of definably yeah. different. One's by a, a five-piece pop group and one's by a, 
a female singer. So speaking of Argonaut, um, at Bar, he's created. You know, he said you said he's created like you know remixes and so forth. He's oh, created yeah. a Steps versus Kylie, Better the Devil You Know version, which I think is fundamentally mostly the instrumental version of the Steps um, version, and then Kylie's vocals on top with like a little bit i need to yeah. hear it in a studio version i've only ever heard of it at a club so of course he has <laughs> and he plays that like he plays that specifically if i walk into the club and he's on he's like what do you want to hear i'm like john i don't even need to tell you what i want to hear you know what i want to hear and yeah. he'll the next thing you know there's the 25 version of strategy coming on um so yeah so it's funny because that that version is really great i was just thinking um with the brighton show and do you think that has inspired the band to think about other venues they haven't played at before. So like the Royal Albert Hall and other types of shows they could do, like maybe pair it back and have an orchestral moment or, um, or something like that. Has that, and has there any been any discussions or anything like that, or they're just on their break at the moment. Let's worry about that later. That's a tomorrow conversation. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I think, yeah, that, that currently there's, there's, they're, they're having a very, very well-earned break. I mean, I, you know, I love, personally the idea of thinking about a steps orchestrated show um i feel like their music is dramatically enough and actually even you know when i when people have done orchestrated or orchestra versions of songs um it, it you know it it would work really really well i'm obviously very comfortable with those shows i've done many of them before with symphony orchestras and and pop stars so um it would be a wonderful thing to do at some point, uh, if if that's something that they were they were into, I think uh, I think it would I think it would really, you know, God, can you imagine Scared of the Dark with the symphony? Oh, oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! Like, but actually, I, I, but I, I can, yes, I mean, I can do, I can say things and I can think things, but then other people have to do them, yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> and true, make them happen. True, so true, true. I would love it, but I can't. But that would be down to whether or not it was the right thing to do at the time. We love your versions of just you talking about orchestral versions of Stay of the Dark, but I can't help but think of their intro to the Gold Tour, which was um, like an orchestral sort of. Yeah, the Overture. Can you like do a, like of a which, Steps of 20, which tour? The Gold Greatest Hits Tour, the one that they did in 2001. That, was, that, that wasn't me. No, I know that wasn't you. I know that wasn't you. There was uh, there was an overture. Oh, I that see. Was right. At the start oh, right. Okay. Can you do a, like a Steve Anderson version of that, please? <laughs> <laughs> We'll if send we get, you the if, link. If it ever happens. I, do you know what you don't have to tell me? I was there. I did actually go to that tour. So oh. now you're saying it. I do actually remember it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, look, that, there's lots of amazing things, we, you know, that would be wonderful to do one day and, and maybe we will. What's one of their songs you want to get your hands on that you haven't got your hands on yet? That you're just like, because I think you've, you've got access to them all now, so you can probably do whatever you want. But cause I remember you saying before, oh, when I got my hands on Tragedy, I was like, oh. I don't, I don't know that's a really interesting question because I, I think that there's most of like the really big songs I feel like have been done I mean if it was in a slightly different area there could be more sort of deep cuts that you could kind of get into um, but off the top of my head there's not one that I can think what I'll turn it around on you what would you like me to what, what's your suggestion <sighs> Steve, I want an entire album of extended no, intros. One, if, you had to, <laughs> if you had to pick one, 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 one steps track that I haven't gone anywhere near. That you yet. haven't gone anywhere near. Um, oh, God, you're putting me on the spot now. Last, I know. Have you done Last Thing on My it? Mind? Have you done anything with that? Yes. Uh, well, actually, to be fair, we, we there's a few step songs that we we don't, 
go full out on. Yeah. Like we we kind of keep a lot of the original things. So no, I haven't actually done a rework of Last Thing. Last Thing so, would yeah, be possibly that would be that would be a good one. That would be for me. Like Last Thing has a, yeah. a big spot in my heart. So yeah. Well, we we revisited yeah. the cause Step One Turn Twenty Five. So we we revisited that album recently for the podcast and Back to You that is on that album that's uh, that would be something that i would love to see you um, uh okay and if brad was here he would say track seven on step track one seven. which would Ex- be experienced, experienced. <laughs> right yes oh yep. uh, yes of course he would <laughs> steve i just had one more this isn't steps related but you're on you're on my zoom i'm gonna ask you um okay i i mentioned dangerous game at the start of the call Another song that was a big part of my life is I'm a massive Atomic Kitten fan and you obviously co-wrote with Kylie Feel So Good, which they ended up recording and naming their second album after. I've just always been curious as to how it ended up with them. How did that come about? I, excellent question. I, we wrote it and gosh i don't even remember what album it would have been for i mean the thing is we never used to write stuff for albums we just used to write songs and they ended up wherever i know we wrote it at real world um possibly around the same time as we were writing things like harmony and those kind of songs mm-hmm. that ended on b-sides i don't know i think it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna go on a kylie record and i guess what usually happens is a publisher ends up playing it to someone and saying well this is available and it just felt like the right fit for the girls um and then they very kindly asked me to produce it and uh and you know and and that's great and tasha from the kittens is just the most insane singer yeah i mean again talk about that you know underrated gosh Tasha, Tasha, I think she's got a new record coming out or out. Yeah, she recorded so, a, a new album and then because she's been, she just had a baby, so I think it's been paused, but I think yeah. she said it's coming out next year. Yeah, so I knew that it was going to be great and Liz is great and stuff. So yeah, it was, it was that I think, but again, I think it's one of those things where there's been a few times where there's been songs that have been written, well, it happens all the time, songs written for one thing and then it's not quite right and then it gets heard by someone else and it's right for them. And you know and and you know it was a great record this and they, they made some fantastic singles the girls yep. you know really really good and uh, again it's really always nice to see them in whichever incarnation of yeah. them that are out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you know what i mean it's yep. lovely seeing these people like you know even at brighton pride you know it's like like bewitched to back out now yeah. it's fantastic mm. you know and th- th- there's there's all that you know s club are back out it's it just lovely to see and it's not always you know yes predominantly is the audience that were there for the first time but you know I'm, I'm incredibly lucky that i'm the musical director for westlife as well and you know when you see these people at the shows it's not just the original fans there's a lot of younger fans that are there and really appreciative of what they did and it's not old-fashioned do you know what i mean yeah. it feels still feels fresh current yes yeah. so yeah i think so yeah so, um, but yeah, that 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 was that one. I think it turned out pretty good, actually. The the, the kittens record as well. Oh yeah, it's a great. I mean, I think the Kylie version leaked. I've I've, I've heard that somewhere. I think on YouTube, but the the kitten yeah. version is incredible. And yeah, they named the whole album after it. So they you oh, know, yeah. bless them. <laughs> Lovely. Well, I guess we kind of know the answer to this. But what's next for you coming up for the rest of the year? You don't have to tell us details, but you can give us like a an overarching. Are you popping off to Vegas at all or anything like that or <laughs> yeah so yeah we're we're that's that's my current uh job at the moment is uh, 
putting the Kylie Voltaire uh, Vegas show um, together with the incredible creative team and the people over there. It's tremendously exciting. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for everyone to see it and it be a reality. I am not lucky enough to have a ticket, but a friend of mine won a competition here in Australia and is going to see her on the 9th of December. He won it off Sunrise. And he's a massive Kylie Minogue fan. He calls himself Owen Minogue on, um, online. You may have seen comments of him before, but he will be seeing her. So I'm very happy that's a real, true, proper Kylie fan who won that competition who gets to see it. So I cannot wait for a full report from him about it all. That's, so, yeah. oh, well, listen, congratulations. I'm so happy on that. And 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 also just, you know, talking about Kylie fans, I'm also one. And how good is Tension oh, as an album? Stop it. It's so good. Story. I'm obsessed with sto- like story. I started off loving I started off loving Hold On To Now, which I love. Oh, I and love that song. Things We Do For Love and then obviously Vegas High and, and even um, You Still Get Me High. But the last six days, I just can't stop listening to Story. As maybe I was listening to it a bit before and then I saw her perform it at the O2 and like just on YouTube and I was just like, wow, this. That was that was. So- so emotional because the lyrics of that song are so incredible yeah and it was uh that's the first time that 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 she and the band had ever performed that song um and yeah it was wow it's just extraordinary i'm so so proud of her for this record it's you know easily one of my favorites i just love seeing the it's really such a resurgence with kylie at the moment it's it really feels like the fever era to me i would say Mm. it's like a fever era 2.0 it's incredible it's yeah it's it's fantastic so yeah really looking forward to that um and there's a couple of other bits i'm i've sort of very much back in kylie world for a, for, a, for a little while so and loving it well good luck with it all um thank you so much thank you so much for joining us today and thank you to claire please pass on our love and congrats to her with that um when you go for a dog walk next tell her that we love the <laughs> album we have appreciated uh, we we have got the message that she was trying to convey when she put that album out, um, and we obviously love Steps and everything like that. And we wish you all everything. Good luck with Vegas coming up, and thanks for joining us today on our little podcast. We we're glad that you're a fan. <laughs> well, thanks for asking. I am a fan, absolutely, and keep up the good work. And you know, it's great to celebrate, you know, these this incredible legacy of this band um, and all of the people within the band and and everything that the, they've done together and individually. Um, and it's yeah it's it's it it i love always love talking to kind of real fans of of people and you're doing something that is it's you know i have a little podcast called such a good feeling where i talk to various people and and i just i just do it because i love it but you know it's so nice and you must have the same thing where people tell you that you're there's you're just helping provide a little bit of history which may not necessarily be out there and it's like a little kind of podcast wikipedia so um and and our friend gavin who we spoke about before is doing the same thing with this sort podcast and you know the this is disco people it's it's a really good medium it's a long form medium and people just want to hear kind of those behind the scenes things and they might be fun they might be not interesting they might be super techie or nerdy um but i listen to podcasts for that reason to get something out of them so um thanks for for doing it for everyone 
Thank you very much. I mean, that just resonates exactly with what I said, didn't I, Scott? I say you've got you've got steps themselves promoting their their work. You've got Ultimate Steps and and Claire Richard Central promoting all the stuff, and that's more like Instagram and visuals and stuff. But then you've got our podcast. We're the voice. We're the ones talking about it. <laughs> so we just complement all the others. So thank you. I'll take that absolutely. Compliment. Everyone's yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Everyone's working together to just make sure that uh, yeah, the the legacy is 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 kept up and. You know, I, I mean, dare I even say, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm doing my Eliza Day impression at the moment, but dare I say what the future holds? Because <laughs> um, Eliza loves a pun. But uh, yeah, um, yeah, who knows what's what's next? I thought you were going to say something about a, an event that happens in Sydney in sort of oh, March. Stop. Oh, stop. Maybe stop. not. Well, I would no. love an event that would happen in Sydney, but I wish I knew what the future <laughs> Well, hold on. I know that we were ending, but we're just going to circle back for one second because, yes, we, we didn't speak about that. Tell us how you've tried to – we need to get steps at Mardi Gras. How do we no, make this I mean, Steve? I'm, it's down to you two. I'm fully, I'm fully putting you in charge of <sighs> okay. it. All right. You are dealing with – you are in, the, in charge of the manifestation campaign mm -hmm. to get okay. steps to Australia. Okay. We will manifest no hard pressure. for that. No pressure, boys. No, no pressure at all. No pressure. Okay. All right. Who do I know? I know, do know some people that work yeah, for like, Who do we know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I've done a few of them, but... Uh, maybe I can... Gosh, um, that would be quite stumped. I work for Art Centre Melbourne here in Melbourne, and maybe I can pressure the programming team to do like a, a one-night show at Hamer Hall or something like that just to get them there to Melbourne, and then there we go. There you go. Okay. All right. Now you're thinking. Mm, this is mm. how things. This is how things happen. Mm, okay. All right. I leave it with. I leave it with you. All right. Oh, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Wow, that was incredible, Shane. You've got a big job on your hands now. You've been officially challenged by the wonderful, amazing Steve Anderson. This is true. This is true. I need to get steps to Australia. I mean, I've been already trying to do this, but the. The ante has been upped now and I need to get them here to Australia. I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to win the lottery and I'm going to be the promoter that brings them out. Maybe that's how I'm going to make it happen, but challenge accepted. So after all that, I just want to say a really big thank you to Steve Anderson for taking the time out to have a chat with Scott and I about Claire's album and Steps and the music world. Don't you worry, Steve. We're going to have you back on again when we talk about tours, that's for sure. Um, but, but really appreciate it. And like, we love that you're a fan of the pod pinch me moment i also just want to say if you haven't had a listen to it yet frankie knuckles version of unbreak my heart is a banger steve mentioned that in the interview and i have since added that into my playlist rotation so amongst all other things i need to thank steve for that mm -hmm. as does the steve anderson dmc version of xanadu that i talked about in the interview that is also an absolute banger i think that brings us to the end of the episode brad before we go, we just want to highlight a couple little panto things coming up for a few of our Steps members. Lee's going to be in Snow White at the Redditch Palace Theatre. Tickets available at the redditchpalacetheatre.co.uk. Snow White plays from the 8th of December to the 3rd of Jan. Faye's appearing as the Magical Mermaid at Peter Pan at the Bristol Hippodrome. Tickets available at atgtickets.com from the 2nd to the 31st of December. And finally, we have H, who will be doing a voiceover for Elves Overboard as part of Carbridge Panto. That runs the 16th to the 24th of December, and tickets are available at carbridgepanto.com. You can find us anywhere on the socials, at Glitter Steps Pod, Instagram, X, you name it, we're on it. You can find me at Stepmeister on Instagram and Stepmeister OZ uh, on tw on Twitter, X, whatever you call it. Brad, where can they find you? They can find me at Brad Schmerling on Instagram. And you can find Scott at Steps Collection underscore on Instagram as well. But until next month, we'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. See you soon, guys. Bye. Bye.